You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Greetings all. Coach Jen, Healthy Critters Radio producer here. Our intrepid podcast hosts, Tigger and Patty, are out and about gathering content for upcoming episodes. So sit back and enjoy this previously aired masterpiece from the Audio Vaults. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss how latex in arena and track footing may affect equine respiration. In Tigopedia, we explore the multi-drug resistance mutation called MDR1. In critter nutrition, we examine the use of omeprazole for ulcers. And in Coffee Clatch, we conduct our celebrity pet match. Listen in. I'm Tigger. I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen, producer of this here crazy circus. And welcome <laughs> to Healthy Critters Radio. <laughs> the uh, twice a month party that is Healthy Critters Radio brought to you by Biostar US. Uh, we talk about all things animal, pet, healthy mentally and physically for them. And today, poor old Tigger and poor old Patty, co-hosts of our show, didn't know what to talk about. Uh-oh. Which is really weird. That's dangerous. Yeah, we do. Because we then, do. Yeah, that that <laughs> but, leaves it up to me. Yes. So, and your listeners will know that whenever that happens, <laughs> oh no, I have a tendency to put Tigger and Patty on the spot. Never. Yeah. And Tigger, for non regular yeah. listeners, Tigger and Patty both go to Wellington, Florida in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Patty, because she is a professional dressage competitor and trainer. And Tigger, because she's a professional nutrition guru, and she goes down there to visit and meet clients and help them keep their horses happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. So you guys hit the road a lot, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So today, what I want to know, when you are on the road, what foods must you have when you are on a road trip for the human? Start, Patty. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm, I have been eating keto for the last like two years. So I try to do like higher fat stuff and some protein and vegetables. So I always have some sort of nuts or cheese or like berries or fruit or something like that, but like just generally cheese and nuts. Nuts and cheese for Patty. So you have the big bucket of mixed nuts from the (laughs) mega box store. Uh-huh. And a case of cheese sticks. Is that about describing? Yes, and 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 I do like to have an avocado on board. Now, how do you travel with an avocado? I'm I'm a real avocado amateur. The only avo- thing I know about avocado is that I can buy it in a teensy weensy itsy bitsy single serving size mm-hmm. that's already made into guacamole that I can put on a sandwich, and that's okay. the extent of my avocado knowledge. How does one gotta, travel with avocado? Because they don't really well, you like be, to be exposed, yeah, do they? They don't. You got to keep that airtight. I mean, if um, I, if I mean, for me, I always put one like in a Ziploc bag if I open one. But you know, everything like when I go and do clinics, 
I, I go to more than one location in my regular clinics when I go throughout Texas and we have a cooler and by the end of the day, it's generally fine, but I wouldn't go beyond like a day and a half because it can start to get angry, <laughs> but I just put them in a Ziploc or an airtight container. There you go. So the nuts and yeah. cheese gal already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tigger, yeah. how about you? I am a peanut butter, almond butter, chocolate milk. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, King. Sorry. Sorry. It's your turn. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Perfect for dipping uh, pieces of chocolate in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drinking mm-hmm. lots of water. And sometimes I'll, you know, make some sandwiches ahead of time for the trip. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're egg salad from our own chickens. Oh, I love egg salad. I do yes, love the best. Mm-hmm. I do. And I have one of these coolers that plugs into the back of my Subaru. Mm-hmm. So it's great because while the car is running, it's staying cold. Yeah. And because I'm always carrying raw dog food around, it's kind of a necessity. Yeah, kind of a necessity. And then you, then you don't have to dump out the water from ice. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, it's, it's great. So I actually don't eat a lot when I'm traveling, I like to keep my stomach kind of light. But I find peanut butter and almond butter that I can be just driving and just take a spoon and lick a. Oh, you, you know. do it. You do it. You hearken back to your four Harkin. years old, just stuff the spoon in the jar and suck it off. Yeah. Harken is the best word I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Tigger, what are you harkening now? Yeah, <laughs> I'm dipping me some chocolate in my uh, now, peanut butter, almond butter. Tigger. When you're on the road, are you more prone to eating on the go or are you more prone to stopping to take a break and have a meal? Never. You never, you're just mm. straight through. No, I, I stop, walk the dogs, get gas, get back in the car, go. How about you, Patty? I don't stop and I eat go constantly. I'm in the hotel. <laughs> I, you're, I go and eat constantly. <laughs> and eat constantly. Okay. I do. Well, yeah, but because I, but that, yeah, no, I go, I don't really like to stop. I'm not big on stopping. Okay. So final question. Uh, Tigger, you're going to go is up this first. Jeopardy? Yes, it is. <laughs> I was going to say. How much do you How much do you want to wager? This is a li- the lightning round. <laughs> the lightning round for extended extended on the road efforts like winter in Wellington. What are the foods that you most miss because you're not at home? Oh, definitely the eggs from my chickens. Mm. Okay. The fresh greens from our we have a little we have a gar a winter garden. So as long as it's not, you know, zero under in a, a little, in this little greenhouse, we can grow greens. Mm-hmm. So I miss, I miss things like that. And, but basically everything that we have in Virginia, you can get in Florida, Publix or Whole Foods. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're, are you prone to going to the grocery store and making food versus going out to restaurants for your, all of your meals? I don't go out at all. Somehow I would have guessed that. Um, I could have answered every one of her questions. Why are we talking to her? (laughs) And she still hasn't mentioned chocolate milk. I'm just going to put that out there. I do love chocolate milk. You do. I I like eating at home. I like like eating food that I know I've prepared. You know, I've selected. uh, It sounds like I'm a control freak, but I guess Mm -mm. I am. Mm -mm. I, I just... I just satisfied. You know, you know what you know. You know what you know. You know what you want to know. You know what you want to eat. Same thing with your dogs and your horses. Yes. How about you? Should start a whole food company. Yeah, you should. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, 
when my children were younger and I was in Wellington, I really didn't like to go out so much because I just wanted to be home kind of doing their thing. Now that I'm older and I, I do like to go out, I there's a, tons of really good restaurants, you know, in Wellington. But it kind of depends for me because I, I am a, I really like to be in bed by 8.30, 8.35 yeah, at the latest. 8.40, you're just, I'm, you know, you're, that's, that's super yeah. late. Yeah. So, but I like a variety of both. I mean, I can, I can really, I do, I, I enjoy going out, but I wouldn't want to do it every night. Okay. I lied. This is not, that was not the final question. This is the final question. Patty gets to go first this time. Because you Ooh. tied on Final Jeopardy. Now we have a tiebreaker. Okay. <laughs> this is the, the silver lightning round. Now. This is the silver yeah. lightning round. There we go. Okay. So I know when I go on the road with my horses, whether it's for a day trip or a weekend camping or whatever it's going to be, there are certain things that I must bring for my pony. Even, it's not necessarily stuff he needs to have, but that I want him to have. One of which is always mm. a giant bag of carrots and yep. probably a bag of apples too. Because I just feel good feeding him those things a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything like that that whenever you hit the road with your horses, you have to make sure you have that for your horse because you want him to have it? Well, I do it a little bit out of necessity because I've traveled so many years with horses long distances. I always bring carrots. I love that or or apples, but I tend to go to carrots because I like them. I, I liked it. A very good friend of actually Tigger and my, her name is Peta Wiley, and she runs a beautiful barn in Troy, Virginia. She told me years ago um, when she would go out and do night check, she would bring carrots out. And if the horses didn't eat a carrot, she knew something was wrong. And I took that to such, like, I was like, damn, that's just amazing. So when I travel with my horses, I, I give them, you know, I try to give them carrots or an apple, you know, every day as, you know, after they're done their, their ride. So I like to have the carrots because I want to make sure that they're still eating and interested. So I, I definitely have that. But the only other thing that I have to have, if I'm traveling a long distance or if I'm going somewhere that's so, now that I'm in Texas, if I bring horses, if I would bring horses all the way to Florida, I would want to bring water from home and sort of transition them into where they're going next. Well, I'm going to speak from the, a dog perspective because I no longer travel with horses. I always have to have raw bones. So what, what is your chosen, what is your favorite? Because there's lots to choose from. Well, the raw bones for the, the dogs like are like knuckle bones, big, you know, decent size marrow bones, leg bones. And now um, I'm guessing these are beef? Yes, yes. Well, you're from You're from our chickens. You should breed some big chickens. <laughs> and I usually will bring some chicken feet, but the bones, because after a long drive and the dogs are in the hotel and it, they just, they allow me to relax because they're just lying there gnawing on their bones, getting the marrow out, happy as little clams, and I'm comatose on the bed. Mm. So everyone is happy. Everybody's yep. happy. Everybody's happy. So, if you've got favorites on the road foods for you or your pets or your horses, we would love to hear about them. And how should they tell us about those, Tigger? Well, send us a postcard <laughs> at Biostar US, 1 Cleveland Street, Gordonsville, Virginia, 22942. I just have to mention that we got a very nice comment on our Facebook page, <gasps> Healthy Yay! Critters Radio, mm-hmm. from a listener in Denmark. Really? Oh, wonderful. She loves the show. So that's mm, awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, cool. So you could also post on our Facebook page or on healthycrittersradio.com. And now coming up, it's the round table. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yay. Um, I, I, I guess I should start this you off. You should start this. This is a pretty heavy sounding topic, Tigger. So let's it, it. it is. So a, a study, this one is published at least online, uh, December 17th, 2019, showing that natural latex rubber could be a significant allergen capable of triggering severe asthma in some horses. So the lead researcher, uh, his name is Sam White, and he carried out the study for the Royal Agricultural University and the University of Nottingham in Britain. He found that natural rubber latex was among the most surprising and significant of several new allergens present in the dust horses breathe. So that, I mean, that means that that latex is really, really fine. White used advanced computing power to assess more than 400 potential allergens in more than 130 severely asthmatic and healthy horses, working with research groups in Switzerland, France, Canada, and the United States. The research revealed many similarities with human allergic asthma and confirmed previously unlinked bacteria, fungi, mite, and pollen allergens. But the allergy risk from latex was the standout finding. Quote, the high level of dust associated with training on these surfaces has already been linked with chronic bronchitis, inflammation, and oxidative stress in riding instructors. And latex has long been associated with a variety of respiratory conditions in humans. These early results show it could be linked to respiratory problems in horses too. Antibodies specific for proteins derived from latex were identified in some of the horses affected by severe asthma. The researchers in their paper published in the journal Scientific Reports said further work is, is required to establish the exposure levels. At present, exposure should be considered a potential risk to the respiratory health of the horse. So what is interesting is that 14% of horses in the Northern Hemisphere are affected by severe asthma. And in another article that was related to this, the researchers pointed out that horses can be breathing latex from tires. So horses in urban areas where lots of cars are parked, they're little, did I know, latex in, in tires, uh, in riding surfaces, on training surfaces. And I, I thought this was very compelling research. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it is very compelling because it was a, a really well done study and they didn't just rely on someone observing the horses at coughing more, right. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They took blood samples and, and they really yeah. did it very carefully. From my point of view, at least, it just makes sense that a lot of the things that make a human develop allergic asthma would make a horse develop allergic asthma. Yeah. But I think, unfortunately, we are as horse people, we are so hyper-focused on the dust that's in the bedding. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? We forget about all the rest when, in fact, there is a constant source of dust in outdoors. And you know, why shouldn't this have an effect on sport horses as well as racehorses? Because, hello, racehorses suck up dust, too. Right. Yeah. Even trail horses suck up a lot of dust because yep. when you're the fifth horse in the trail line and there are you know, four horses in front of you cruising along in dry weather there's a lot of dust being kicked up by those hooves in front of you. And you're so close to those horses in front of you, you and your horse are both sucking it up. So <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. um, that's it. I don't, I don't know what is to be done about it other than making sure that your arenas are appropriately 
sprayed. And ventilated. And ventil- that's the good point. Ventilation, fans, cross, cross breezes. Because a lot of indoor arenas, they're expensive to make. Crazy expensive to build. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you tend to make it small. You tend to enclose it as much as your particular weather patterns would need. So absolutely, if, if, if you're in the Northeast, you're going to have one that's going to be completely enclosed and maybe just have a couple of large doors, one at each end. Mm-hmm. So the air doesn't get to move around much. It just sits there and gets really stale, thus the mold and mildew and fungi. That's interesting. Ventilation. Well, we need I, to, we need were, have, a, have a ventilation expert on. Well, the reason I mention it from a trainer writer and like teacher clinician point of view. You spend a lot I, indoors. I, I do. And I will tell you even sometimes outside and I will tell you there are places that I truly dread going because I know I'm going to feel dragged down because it, um, it may start out nice and moist and wet, but by the eighth lesson, if I'm doing a clinic gets really, you know, dusty and you start to feel it in your face, you feel it in your eyes, you feel it, you know, in how you're breathing. I mean, I can't, I mean, Tigger, how many times have you gone home from a horse show? And I mean, I'm sure too, Jennifer, with you too, where you're like, oh my gosh, I've got the the footing, like the footing in my ear, in my nose, in my eyes. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so that has actually become a thing as I've gotten older and I've realized you know, it, when I'm teaching, I mean, footing is just such a big deal to me. Um, you know, Tigger and I have ridden on um, some footing that I actually had at a farm that we were at that was, it's a, a coated polymer sand. And the arena that I had was, it was actually, it was a covered arena that I could close up the sides for the winter. And I can't tell you how many people would come to the arena, even with both sides open and say, man, this stuff smells like wax or crayons or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and you and I both know Tigger. I mean, I don't know how affected you were by, but I mean, I could smell it every, every day. And yeah, that's saying a lot, you know, that I would get away from it and then f- smell it every day. So I think that this is, and I, I don't know, I don't even, you know, what, what do you do? I, I do, I don't know what you do to fix any of this, but I just feel that ventilation is a big key, a key to this. I mean, having, you know, the new, the big ass fans and all that, I think is a great thing. But if you have those, because here in Texas, a lot of people have those. And, and I honestly, I've never been in Texas where there were, well, that's not true. There's enclosed arenas, but even with that type of fans and stuff like that, all you're doing is moving around the same crappy stuff if it's not getting out. So, yeah. And yes, that's a good point in that a fan moves the air around, which makes it feel better on your skin and maybe it feels Mm -hmm. better when you're breathing. But you're right. If you've got particulate um, in the air, all you're doing is moving around the recycling. Yeah. It's like, Um, so what's, what's to be done about trying to keep that from getting into the air to begin with, that's a very interesting thought. Yeah. Because just because you can't see it, you can go into an arena and look and say, well, it doesn't look dusty in here. The air looks clear, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't tons and tons of allergens floating all about. Right. Hmm. And we know, yeah. And we know they are. They know they are. So interesting. Good, to- good, good topic. I just want to mention that the blood samples for this study were taken from 138 horses. It's a pretty good sized study. So it's a really good sized study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not not from just one place. 
No. Yeah. No, from several different countries. Really yeah. Well Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Good topic. Good, Good topic. topic. All right. And now to lighten the mood, it's Hedwig. <laughs> Hi, Hetty. Hi, Hetty. Jennifer and Higgle and Hattie. We're all here. <laughs> Gang's all oh, here. Oh, this is such wonderful news. <laughs> I love two weeks in a row. I feel like I really get my say in, you know. <laughs> and that's what we're always interested in, <laughs> is your I say. I know you are. Mm-hmm. I know it. Mm-hmm. That's right. So what is my query for this evening? What's up, yo? (laughs) (laughs) What's up, yo? So we were all wondering, because you you travel about and you have so many things that you're exposed to, what what would be your favorite music? Sure, just give us two seconds and then we'll be able to pull over, okay? (laughs) And then we won't be in the Loxahatchee dead zone, but we have to just get out of that dead zone. Both paws on the wheel, Hedwig. Both paws on the wheel. Yeah. I have all the paws. All the paws are on the wheel. I do the driving in this family. She's a nitwit. (laughs) God bless her. Can you can you hear us now? Yes. Fantastic. Oh good. Yeah. Okay. So we're just lurking in the driveway of the big dog ranch rescue. (laughs) Sort of funny, no? Oxymoronic or something. Ironic, maybe. I don't know, for I am a small dog and a rescue dog. All these things. <laughs> so, so, music, Hetty. response yeah. to my music query, recently I've been listening to this most excellent string quartet, Ethel, which is named for the pirate's daughter. And you know we love pirates. <laughs> in this family and they have a very wonderful record called circus and i like that one so much so much yes very interesting music also you know i am a fan of the 80s music but not when the human sings it because then it hurts my beautiful ears (laughs) i don't know why she insists on singing because she's terrible at it whereas i am so gifted I am a huge fan, of course, the Alison Krauss. Are you knowing this person? Very good music. We are going to go see her in concert. So exciting. Oh, good. I'm going to be seeing this person, and I do love her music. There is a wonderful song called Lucky One, and that is me, the lucky one. And then also, I am liking the music that is the Big band music they play at night on the NPR when we're driving home from the barn endlessly because of the icing, which goes on and on and on late into the night. But then there's nice music on the way home. So that's always pleasant. So a variety of tunes please me. But, you know, I'm I'm adaptable. I am not a big (laughs) fan. I must confess, not a big fan of the rap. Or the country. Of the rap. Neither one. I don't like the rap so much. The hip-hop, it's a little loud, you know, a little Mm -hmm. exciting for me. It doesn't go well. I tend to get excitable there. So better to stick with the Bruce Springsteen. Yes, Uh, the ball. Well, that was a much more widespread answer than I thought we were going to go with. 
I thought it would be like Pet Shop Boys or something like that, but that was good. That was or a very good dog. Thank dogs you so out. much for let the dog my musical taste. The no. Pet Shop Boys? Really? <laughs> do you know me at all? Apparently not. Apparently not. But now I do. Now I do. Why don't you ask Tigger about the straight girl anthem that my human has to ride to? That's making you a little <laughs> nauseous every time. Oh, well, we'll have to Tigger. We'll have to talk about that later. It's going to be a big pink triangle on that elf. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, okay, Tiggy, thanks, oh, Hetty. Yeah, thank Hetty. Thank you so much for such a great answer. And keep your paws on the wheel. Yeah, pause on the wheel. Pause, Look straight ahead. Pause on the wheel. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Hetty. Bye. So we're at the Tigapatapedia. <laughs> and I ha- wanted to talk about something called MDR1, which is a multi-drug resistance gene that is common in a lot of breeds that you don't actually know about. And how I found out about it was my good friend Tigger when I started looking at my first Aussie. And basically, in layman terms, it's it's a gene, it's a, it's a codes for a protein that's responsible for protecting the brain and by transporting harmful chemicals away. And so what happens is, is that there becomes a buildup of these chemicals in the brain because the body has this gene and doesn't kind of wash it away. And it's very common in a lot of, um, Kind of like the Australian Shepherd's a big one. The Collie is actually the number one breed. The vets have a, a saying that says white feet, no need to treat, which basically means that you can't treat it with one of the number one products is ivermectin. So anyway, you know, Tigger being very affluent in Aussie, <laughs> you know, we b- both have had a little bit of experience with this. I, I actually have, I have um, two Australian Shepherds, one which is MDR negative and one that is positive. And so Tigger, what, how do you, how, how do you want to add to, to some of this? Because there's so much, there's so much to cover in a little bit of time, but it's pretty inter- interesting information. Well, I first want to say that ivermectin, if you don't know what that is, that's used in heartworm medications it's a common drug for warming horses. So these dogs that are affected by this gene, if they get an old syringe that you've just syringed your horse with and they lick some of that ivermectin, they can get ataxia, seizures, or even die. Mm-hmm. Imodium, these dogs with this gene cannot get Imodium. Cyclosporin. So, amodium, amodium being for, for anti diarrhea. Yeah, anti diarrhea. Right. I just want to make sure you said. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many more drugs out there, Tigger, than I was aware of. Uh, me too. Um, and, and what may cause a problem are things like morphine. They just mm-hmm, don't know. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And the breeds that are affected are Australian Shepherd Collie, long haired Whippet. Whippet. Yeah. 
um, Old English Sheepdogs, Border Collies. And, and a vet that I spoke to and interviewed about it today, she said that she'd never really ever thought about German Shepherds, but it's on the list. On the list. Yeah, but the big and thing... And American that, White Shepherds. Right, right. Again, they go by the white feet need to treat. Kind of interesting. So well, genetically... But, if, a, but a German Shepherd doesn't have white feet. Right. That's why... But but again, it's on the list. And so right. that's why I think that's kind of one of those things... Because I've had German Shepherds and never even knew about it. But one of the things that's, that's also interesting is that if you go with any of the breeds that we've mentioned, you, you want to find out from the breeder, you know, about the parents. And so... You know, I I went into this knowing that my one dog had the pot- the potential to ha- to have it. He's been tested and he does have the gene. And there's all sorts of he's research. He's a carrier. He's a, a carrier. carrier. Yes, yeah. he's a carrier. He's a carrier. And that doesn't mean you don't buy the dog. That doesn't mean any of those things. And this is actually a very doable situation, mainly for people, for any of the listeners that don't aren't around livestock or horses or stuff like that. It's really not as big of a deal, except for the fact that you need to know about some of the other, the other drugs that the, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to say it right. I'm sure lopramide, which is the, the amodium anti-diarrhea drug, acepromazine, which again, you probably wouldn't really run into unless you were dealing with horses. And there are alternatives to ivermectin as yes. heartworm medicine. Absolutely. So the good news is that um, you don't have to give heart guard. There exactly. are now alternatives, Tons of alternatives. to ivermectin for um, MDR1 carriers. Right. Or uh, right. So one of the things that I was trying to find out is if I was listening to the show, okay, so I don't know if my border collie or – Collie or Aussie Shel- has Sheltie, Sheltie, yeah, Collie, Smooth Collie, English Shepherd. A lot of herding breeds. Yeah. A lot of herding. But like, so let's say you don't know if your dog has it and you are around a situation where let's say you've gone to visit somebody that has a horse farm and they have ivermectin sitting out and they decide to, you know, chew, chew up, you know, chew up the, the wormer. One of the things that you would start to look for clinically signs is, is they become ataxics. Like you were saying, Tigger, they become neurologic. They could look a little drunk. They'll salivate a lot. Their pupils become dilated. And the number one thing is, is obviously get to your vet as soon as possible. But if you know that your dog's ingested something like that, you know, you want to try to, you know, either get them right to the vet or try to get them to throw it up you know, try to get them out of, get, get that out of their system. But I think for the most part, you know, there's a lot of research out there. There's a lot of stuff out there, but it doesn't mean don't get a dog that has this, but you should certainly test for it. Cause Tiggs, do you have any of, of, or any of your Aussies? Yes. Okay. He's a carrier. Okay. Yeah. So again, it's just, it's, I think the awareness of all of this is the biggest thing and, and making sure that when, if you have any of the breeds that we've mentioned and and there's, there's more to the list, but when you go to your vet, you know, make sure that they're just not, you know, you, and it, there's an easy test. You can, if there's a swab test that you can do for like, it's between 55 and $60, you can do it in home. Just don't, you know, don't go, when you go to the vet, make sure either A, ask about it, but just don't randomly, you know, give ivermectin and do the test and make sure that you're informed because if you're informed, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Right. That's, that's for people, lots of us have mixed breed dogs 
And oftentimes, what we are told the dog is, especially when you get them through shelters, that's just a wild guess by people who are looking at them as puppies. Mm -hmm. And that may be completely off track. So especially folks who have mixed breed dogs, uh, it sounds like it would be a really smart idea to have them tested Mm -hmm. just that you Mm -hmm. you can be 100% sure. Because after they've gone ataxic, maybe a little too late. You know, that's a small investment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Good I agree. information, ladies. Woohoo. And now we're at Critter Nutrition and we're going to talk about a Meprazole, which is a very popular treatment for horses with ulcers. Ameprazole is a medicine classified as a proton pump inhibitor, and its purpose is to block stomach acid production. Ameprazole is also known in the equine industry by its trade names, GastroGuard and UlcerGuard. We may think of these products for horses interchangeably, yet the FDA has given approval for GastroGuard as a treatment for gastric ulcers and UlcerGuard as a preventative for gastric ulcers. The difference between the two drugs is not simply price. Gastrogard provides four milligrams per kilogram of omeprazole, while Ulcergard contains one milligram per kilogram of omeprazole. Omeprazole has proven to be extremely effective in treating squamous ulcers, which are ulcers occurring in the upper one-third region of the stomach. However, omeprazole has not been effective in treating ulcers in the glandular portion of the stomach. The glandular region comprises two-thirds of the stomach area. According to an omeprazole study from 2015, as many as 36% of the glandular ulcers actually worsened over the 28 days of the studies without any association to the dose level. Omeprazole is capable of reducing hydrochloric acid in the stomach by up to 99%. While this action is beneficial for healing ulcers in the squamous portion, there are ramifications. Stomach acid is needed by horses to digest proteins. Stomach acid helps create a hostile environment so certain pathogenic bacteria cannot flourish. Stomach acid activates pepsin, an enzyme that breaks protein into amino acids. The suppression of digestive acids by omeprazole affects key mineral absorption of calcium and magnesium. A small digestibility trial by Kentucky Equine Research showed that two weeks of omeprazole administration decreased calcium digestibility by 20% for calcium carbonate and 15% for marine-derived seaweed calcium. Blocking stomach acid for a period of time can cause the body to increase production of stomach acid after omeprazole treatment. This can lead to heartburn and dyspepsia, which help to form new ulcers. A study on omeprazole published in the Journal of Equine Veterinary Science concluded... Oral administration of omeprazole in healthy equines interfered with the metabolism of digestive biomarkers of lipid, mineral, and protein metabolism, although the animals were treated for a maximum of 11 days. Horses treated with a proton pump inhibitor need to be evaluated regularly to avoid significant modification in their metabolic parameters. Remember that short-term use of omeprazole 30 to 60 days is less likely to be problematic than long-term use. Even with short-term omeprazole administration, ample amounts of calcium and magnesium must be supplied by either legume hay, alfalfa pellets and cubes, or a bioavailable mineral supplement. 
Ideally, an omeprazole dose should be given between feedings in order to maximize calcium and magnesium digestibility. Many competition horses are giving omeprazole every day in the management and prevention of ulcers. This is where omeprazole can become more problematic. Unfortunately, no long-term studies on omeprazole in horses have been published. However, studies on humans and long-term use of omeprazole have been. They have shown malabsorption consequences in regards to calcium and magnesium, increased infections such as clostridium and pneumonia. Long-term proton pump inhibitor use in humans is associated with an increased risk of osteoporosis and decreased bone mineral density with a 35% increased risk of fracture. The researchers found that the risk increases with the duration of proton pump inhibitor use even when the drug is taken at low doses. Some might brush the human studies aside as not relevant to horses. The GI tracts of both species, while similar, are also, are also very different. Horses are hindgut fermenters, humans are not. However, humans and horses need stomach acid as part of the digestive process. Horses produce stomach acid all the time, not just when they eat. The act of chewing forage or hay increases the production of bicarbonate in the saliva, thus providing a natural buffering of the stomach acid. While research is ongoing, several studies indicate that omeprazole decreased the activation of both the osteoclasts, cells that break down bone, and osteoblasts, cells responsible for bone formation. Horses with navicular changes could be affected by the prolonged use of omeprazole. The thoroughbred industry is beginning to take a hard look at the long-term use of omeprazole, particularly as the drug can affect bone remodeling and bone density. The result of calcium loss from omeprazole combined with administration of Lasix may be large contributing factors to increase fracture rates in thoroughbred racehorses. 35% of the horse's body contains calcium. This important mineral is needed not only for bones and teeth, but also for muscle contraction, blood clotting, enzymatic functions, cell membrane functions. Magnesium plays important roles in nerve and muscle function. Along with calcium, it is one of the major minerals in bone. While calcium is critical for muscle contraction, magnesium is critical for muscle relaxation. Calcium is an important stomach acid buffer. But unlike omeprazole, it does not stop the production of stomach acid. When calcium buffers stomach acid, the body is still able to digest proteins and absorb minerals. Once a horse has been treated and healed with omeprazole for squamous ulcers, there is often a recurrence of ulcers. This is due to a phenomenon known as rebound acid hypersecretion. Body actually increases acid secretions after omeprazole treatment. The increase in acid can cause heartburn, acid regurgitation, and dyspepsia, leading to formation of new ulcers. Typically, the horse will resume treatment with omeprazole once again, restarting the cycle. Omeprazole is the go-to drug for gastric ulcers as it has helped thousands of horses heal squamous ulcers. But are we overdoing it? Often, we see signs of an ulcer in our horses and we start the gastric guard without question. However, if the ulcer symptoms are from glandular portion of the stomach, GastroGuard will be ineffective. We give UlcerGuard when our horses compete to prevent ulcers from forming. Horses that compete frequently may be getting UlcerGuard for several weeks in a row. When the UlcerGuard is stopped for a few days between shows or for a few weeks, we may have raised the reoccurrence rate of ulcers because the omeprazole caused the body to hypersecrete more acid. Do we really want a preventative that blocks the absorption of calcium and magnesium and which affects digestion of proteins? We need to start questioning our possible overuse of omeprazole, 
particularly as a preventative. Ongoing research is showing that pectin and lecithin, combined with polysaccharides from medicinal mushrooms, help stabilize and protect the intestinal mucosa, including the glandular region of the stomach. There are other alternatives to keep in mind as well. Bioavailable calcium from alfalfa or algae or eggshell matrix can buffer stomach acid and help reduce the recurrence of squamous ulcers without stopping the production of acid. Dietary concentrates, such as feeds with high grain content and high NSC, these decrease the horse's production of saliva, therefore reducing the natural bicarbonate function. Switching to low NSC feeds can help reduce ulcer recurrence because sugars in high NSC feeds can be fermented into acid in the stomach, thereby increasing acid content. Aloe vera, particularly medical grade, can be a protective supplement for gastric ulcers. However, aloe vera has not been clinically shown to heal existing ulcers. Slippery elm bark contains polysaccharides similar to medicinal mushrooms and can be protected for the intestinal mucosa. Cabbage is a whole food source of the amino acid glutamine and may help prevent intestinal and may help promote in- intestinal mucosa healing. Dehydrated or freeze-dried cabbage is a better choice than fresh cabbage. Chia and flax are mucilogenic and high in omega-3s, which may help to reduce inflammation. Omeprazole is an important medication that needs to be used judiciously. Once active gastric ulcers are healed, it's possible to reduce recurrence with management and science-based supported foods and plants. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. Here we are at Coffee Clutch. It's our celebrity pet match. (laughs) We we match the following celebrities with a pet. So the celebrities we've chosen are Brad Pitt, Snoop Dogg, Beyonce, Adele, and Dr. Phil. So I'm going to start with Brad Pitt. And Mm -hmm. I actually picked two things. I did too. Oh, good. I picked a sloth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I did. A sloth? Well, yeah, because, you know, he, you see his pictures of him with his kids and they have their arms around his neck. And I just could see him. A sloth is so opposite him. They're very slow and gentle. And I could just see it with this, a sloth with his arms. There are her, his or her arms around his neck and he's holding them and they're moving very slowly. And I think he would get a kick out. He kind of has sloth eyebrows. (laughs) The angle, if you look carefully. yeah, didn't think about that at yeah. all. Good. And my other s- selection is a chinchilla. 
<laughs> because I can see a chinchilla sitting on his shoulder or on his head. You know, I think he just would have an unusual, unusual pets. Patty? Okay, well, I stuck mainly with dogs. Um, and I was, I was thinking it would have to be something that was, to me, like very chiseled and handsome. And one of them, I know you're going to agree with me, Tigger, hands down, would be an, an Australian Shepherd. because well, That was an they're easy just, answer. I know. I don't. Th- I don't see him with an Australian Shepherd at all. No, I just. But I just. But this handsome and or a boxer. I thought of a boxer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Jen. What do you have? Well, I came at this from a very different direction. I thought Tigger meant if Brad Pitt was an animal that is also a. That, pet. So did I. Okay. Yeah. That's oh. what I thought she meant. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Not what what pet would Brad Pitt own. So, if Brad Pitt was a domesticated, he would have been a Malinois. Oh, wow. Okay. Did, yeah, didn't, yeah. I can see that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, there we go. (laughs) Okay. So, for Snoop Dogg, I had a parrot. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting because if Snoop Dogg was a domesticated pet, I thought he would be a macaw. Oh, my God. That's interesting. And, and had, what dog would Snoop Dogg be? Okay. I had, well, I have two. I had a Chihuahua. Um, oh, yeah. Just because if you actually Google Snoop Dogg and what he looks like as a dog, there is a, the funniest picture. It's really adorable. So a Chihuahua or a ferret. I, I, can, I can totally buy I can into the Chihuahua. Ferret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So for Beyonce, I had a descented skunk. Oh, I so totally, fun. totally. I get. That. I mean, can't you see one with a little, a little collar of diamonds, taking it for a walk? Uh, Pep- What's Pepe Le Pew's girlfriend's name? Oh, Gigi. We we Gigi. Wasn't it Gigi? I think it's Gigi. Gigi or Fifi. Fifi, Fifi, Fifi. Right, Fifi. Oh, Fe- Pepe Le Pew and Penelope. Penelope. Okay. Because his girlfriend's not really a skunk. It's a cat that he thinks is a skunk. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I haven't thought about that in years. Okay. Okay. What did you have, Patty? (laughs) I had two. (laughs) I had a corgi because of the butt. (laughs) Like corgi pants, you know, kind of. For Beyonce? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No? I'm I'm having a hard time with that. Yeah, because she's just. Well, yeah, but then I. Yeah, totally. I like little corgi, cute little tiny, but whatever. Okay. Um, or a kangaroo. Somebody that like can really, you know, she could, I could see her like dancing around and nothing. <laughs> got nothing. I got nothing on that one. Okay. <laughs> I totally. Well, again, I was thinking if Beyonce was a domesticated pet, it sounds boring, but for me, she just had to be a cat. Just the cat mm-hmm. that has... Everything. The quintessential, stereotypical Siamese. Siamese, perhaps. Yes. Or, you know, I could see her as a rag doll also. Something genuinely exotic. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Diamonds on the collar. And and fresh shrimp for dinner. Yeah. Okay. For Adele, I had a Maine Coon cat. Good. Oh, that's funny. I, I had Siamese because they sing. They sing so beautifully. Uh, okay, okay. Okay. They do have quite the voice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm really, really off on left field on this one. Adele, 
I don't know anything about Adele. You know, I know she's a singer. I looked at pictures of her and lop-eared bunny. <laughs> I love it. That's like perfect. Oh, that's so funny. Soft oh, and cuddleable. Okay. Oh. Yeah, and and dedicated. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. For Dr. Phil, I had a basset hound. <laughs> <laughs> That's not surprising. <laughs> I I had a Mexican hairless. <laughs> Appropriate. Or a, hip, or a hippo. <laughs> or a hippo. Oh my. I I I went with iguana. <laughs> okay. If Dr. Phil was an animated character that was an animal, he would be an iguana. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, if if you uh, if this has stimulated your imagination, share it with us on <laughs> Healthy Critters Radio Facebook page, or send us a postcard. Biostar US, One Cleveland Street, Gordonsville, Virginia two two nine four two. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 